This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Irreverent. Entertaining. Cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir, and I welcome you if you're listening through audio or if you're joining me now on Instagram Live. Hello, Catherine. It's so good to see you, and congratulations on all your success with your podcast and just everything you've been doing. I'm following you, and just it makes me so happy to see a friend doing so well. That's Catherine Gray, um, a fellow podcaster and show host. I've been her guest and she hosts She Angels, if you want to look her up on Instagram and invest in her. And uh, she's just really awesome. So shout out to you, my friend. And if you're new to my podcast, my show is about changing consciousness, one conversation at a time. I believe we do that um, through our work, through our conversations. And today I want to talk about that, about consumption and what we consume, not I'm not going to talk about food and drink. I'll leave that to other experts. But what we consume as far as the content we watch on TV, the podcast we listen to, the music we listen to, the conversations we have, if we're being gossipy or not. And just that's our consumption. And the lives that we live are an outpicturing of that consumption. And so it's just interesting. And from there, we're going to go into talking about The Science of Mind. It's a book by Ernest Holmes. He wrote the book in the 20s. And this is the early material that the law of attraction, more current material, is based from. So this knowledge has been around forever since we have been alive. And it's been said in different ways. And I want to highlight some of that and then lead into a conversation about metaphysics and what metaphysics actually is and how it can work for you, how we can use metaphysics. It is not just someone in a lab working with atoms and particles to see how they materialize. That metaphysics is derived from the Greek and it means it has to do with after the things of nature, things pertaining to nature and the relationship between mind, our mind and matter. And there's a connection between what we think in our minds and the materialization of it in matter, as well as the potentiality of our mind and the actuality of its becoming in our real life. So before we go down that track, I'd like to share a little bit about me and something new that I am starting. My book launched, The Chiron Effect. Many of you have it. Thank you so much. I would love for you to do an Amazon review or a review at goodreads.com and wherever you bought it. And if you go to my website, Nola Therapy. Dot com. There's a link where you can order the book through many different 
places. I offer an online class that was just on Udemy, but now it's also on TabletWise. And there's a button there for my online class. It's 20 practical tools that you can use, psycho-spiritual tools like meditation, creating an altar, how to use crystals to grid your home and office to really maximize those energies about the benefits of having mentors and how to create that mentorship relationship without needing to meet one-on-one -on -one with someone, people you can identify, an author, a teacher, a speaker, and really invest yourself in what they're offering when it resonates with you. So 20 Psycho-Spiritual Tools, my online class, as well as the brand new thing I'm starting on Thursday, February 11th. I'm going to be doing a monthly Zoom meditation. It's free and it's centered around Chiron, which is a minor planet and comet in your birth chart that identifies the areas where you feel your deepest wounding, your deepest vulnerabilities, the area of your life where you feel like you might want to hide or edit from others because you don't feel good about it. It could affect your self-esteem. And my book goes into great detail about how really understanding our deepest vulnerabilities helps us to become more of who we truly are in this world. We don't have to feel ashamed of the things we don't think we're good at because they hold the greatest potential for us to really expand into the fullness of ourselves. And that has to do with metaphysics, really using more of our mind than what we've ever used before and tapping into that. And so this meditation, the first one is on, let me make sure I have this accurate, Thursday, February 11th, 5.30 Pacific time, 7.30 central. It's one hour. And if you go to my link tree here in Instagram, my bio, go to the link tree. I added monthly Zoom meditation. You can get the Zoom link and we are going to do this together. I have an audio sound bath that I'm going to play. It's tuned to the frequency of the planet Chiron. And I'm gonna guide you in. It's gonna be a 20 minute meditation. And then we'll have the rest of the time to talk to each other about what you might've experienced. And I'm doing it every month on the new moon because the new moon is about fresh starts and new beginnings. So I invite you to even write down some intentions. We'll do that together in our time. Things that you want to bring forward into your life. The new moon is about new beginnings, new starts, and the full moon has to do with releasing things that don't serve us, be it thought patterns, habits, could be people, relationships. So I'm really excited. First one, Thursday, February 11th, details are in my link tree here at NOLA Therapy um, on Instagram. And I see also mental Mental Heal has joined. Hello, welcome. Thank you for taking your time out today. And if you want to call in, I welcome your call. 323-203-0815. And we can talk about these topics together. So 323-203-0815. And uh, just looking to see, yes, that I'd love to talk to you today. So what is the science of mind? This is such an exciting book. A dear friend of mine shared with me, I'm going to hold it up, The Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes. You can get it on Amazon and other places where books are sold. And I'm going to read to you a bit from it. He wrote this book in the 20s, and he talks about how man's, and I'm gonna, he speaks of man, but mankind, womankind, people kind, that people's greatest discovery is when they learned that they can think 
that we have the power to think and then the power to plan and the power to actually create things, going back to ancient people. And he talks about people began to realize that their conditions are controlled by thought. In this way, people realized that even their affairs were controlled by thought, working through the avenue of the one mind. They discovered that by changing their thoughts, they could remold their affairs, and that by right thinking, they could bring into their life new conditions, and that it's limitless. So we learn that we could control our affairs by right thinking. And what is right thinking? And Ernest Holmes goes into talking about right thinking, like many spiritual teachers today and that have always lived, that we judge ourselves so harshly, we judge others, and we lose sight of our inherent perfection, our inherent lovability, our inherent worthiness. And it's our unworthiness that cuts us off from this infinite supply that the universal mind has for us. And he tells a really neat story that I've been thinking about where using the story of when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt and how at that time they didn't have electricity, but electricity existed in universal mind. They just didn't, they just hadn't thought of it. And that there are all these inventions and things yet to manifest in our world that are all just a thought first, like how to make life better, how to make life easier. And so from that place, he then goes into, I want to turn to another section about, so, okay. And there's also, you know, lots of us, lots of you watching, lots of you listening. I know we're really into spirituality and transformation. And it's one thing to study it, to read it, but it's a whole nother thing to actually apply it to our lives. It's like, you know, you know that you can drive a car, you can learn to drive, but you choose to walk or take a bicycle. And that's fine, but you're going to get there so much faster by getting in a car, knowing how to drive, to drive a vehicle. You get to your destination faster. And likewise, taking, knowing about universal laws, but actually applying them, knowing how to use them, how to speak them into the existence of your life is a whole different process. And so we're going to talk about that today because I'm totally fired up about this topic and really to use universal law, universal mind, who is here at our command, just waiting for us to speak the words out to work on our behalf. And so in this other section of the book, Ernest Holmes talks about removing doubt that often we want things that we don't believe we can have. And how painful is that? I mean, I've certainly been in that place. And just the balance of creation and manifestation is about believing you can have what you want. Because when you believe it, where it's truly an emotion, it's not here yet, but you feel like that's mine. I am that. I'm going to have that. When you're really feeling that in your body, the emotion is the first manifestation that it's on the way. And I think it's the regulation of doubt that our work really is. The gap between where we are and where we want to be is really uh, working with with that gap in, in a way that we're in, um, we're in belief versus doubt. So Ernest Holmes goes on to say that all thoughts of doubt concerning one's ability to heal, he's talking about physical healing, come from the belief that it is the personality which does the healing and not the law. Never say 
I am not good enough to heal, or I do not know enough to heal, or I haven't, I haven't understood enough to heal, or I'm not good enough to have that. I'm not good enough to experience that. Know that you are dealing with the law and that it is the actor. The law is the actor. The law takes the action, not our personality. And recognizing that all such arguments are some form of suggestion and refuse to let them operate through you. I am constantly talking to myself in my head and at moments out loud, no, I I push that thought away. I can have, I am having, I am experiencing X, Y, and Z. And it's he's saying you can heal, you can create, but you must know that you can. And he speaks about the day will come when the entire world will believe the truth because of the great power which it is exercising upon our consciousness. And consciousness, you know, I'd love to know what you think about consciousness, what that means if you want to call in and talk about it. Consciousness to me is awareness. It's an awareness of the presence that we are a body and yet we're also a non-physical part and I think that's the duality of life that we're living is managing the duality of being in a physical incarnation, a physical body, yet being non-physical. And at times the tension that that can feel like longing for more, longing, longing for meaning, longing to be valued and be seen. And yet this physical body feeling limiting at times and how we can bring self-soothing. My book talks a lot about empathy, self-forgiveness for the judgments we've held against ourselves and against others. And so I just find this work really exciting. And as I've been just jotting down some notes, it tied into me with consumption. And that came to mind when Sunday night, a couple nights ago, I love Saints football. They're my team. I'm from New Orleans. And the Saints were playing the game that would take us to the Super Bowl. We were ahead, and then we just lost. I mean, we threw four interceptions. We lost. We lost. And I felt really upset about that because it's like we're not going to the Super Bowl, and we were right there, and I came home from my friend's house, and I just binged some reality show that wasn't even good. I was consuming garbage. And I remember I sat in front of my TV, and I didn't eat or drink anything. And I remember thinking as I let episode after episode kind of roll on, why am I watching this? what is this show even called? Like I'd even forget the name of it until the next episode would roll the credit. And I'm like, oh, it's this show. But somehow I just was like, wanted to zone out, you know, wanted to consume something, just trying to feel better. And, you know, no judgment. I just noticed that that's kind of unusual for me to do, watch something that, you know, was just such like <laughs> junk food. Uh, and and it didn't even help me feel better. So finally I went to bed when I realized it's like 3.30 in the morning, like, what am I doing? And I woke up Monday and it was just like an aha moment that I think we all, you know, it's okay to, to consume some trash TV, eat junk food, yet we don't want that to be the main staple of our diet, of our emotional diet, of our physical diet, of our spiritual diet. And it got me to kind of tune in, you know, that if you're someone that is consuming that kind of unhealthy, zero uh, nutritious type material, you know, the outpicturing of your life is going to look and feel like that too. And you might feel really empty. You might feel really sad. And again, no judgment in that, but I want to get you to tune yourself in to what you are watching and reading and consuming 
because that does birth the life that we're living. And to change our lives, as many of you know, we have to change the way we engage in and with our lives. And that means establishing new routines sometime and new habits and maybe saying no to some of the people, places, and things, and then creating new people, places, and things. And now with COVID, it's it's not as free at all as it used to be to just, I'm going to go to whatever yoga class and such, but there are online opportunities. And that's also what made me want to start my Zoom meditation monthly is I wanted to start doing group meditations. And if I wait till it's COVID safe, who knows when that will be? And so technology offers us a way to connect just like we are right now and not having to wait for things to change. And I think that's an important piece too, to look at what you might be waiting to change before you can be happy, feel satisfied. Um, You know, when I get this, I'll feel good. And it's like, no, screw that. How do I feel good now? What can I do today to whatever degree possible to soothe and feel better? And all this stuff is just going to make you have a happier and healthier life and attract to you since we are transmission towers. We have an electromagnetic field. It is why oftentimes you meet someone and you're instantly drawn to them. And other times you're like, ooh, you're repelled by them in extreme cases. And think about your friends. There's some friends you just love talking to and others, you know, you feel like, hmm, like there's some trepidation there. And it's about different things. Sometimes it's because, you know, maybe somebody's going through something. It doesn't mean anyone's a bad person. It means that there are thoughts produce a frequency. Our emotions produce a frequency. And that's measured by the unit of hertz. And that's why the sound bath I'm doing is really cool and very healing because the music is at the same hertz as the planet Chiron, 173.8 hertz, I think it is. And that means the tuning fork vibrates 173.8 times per minute. And I've started to use tuning forks in my meditation. Genetic biochemists are using 528 hertz to repair damaged and broken DNA. That is the frequency of love, the sound frequency of love. So I'm going to play that tuning fork too in our meditation. It's not quite as clear over the computer as it is in person, but the transmission will happen. So there are really unique ways that we can raise our vibration, yet universal mind that I'm talking about, how to invoke. And and Ernest Holmes talks about invoking universal mind. It's like some of you might pray. Some of you might meditate and an invocation is a calling upon, you know, it's a claiming of like you go and claim your social security benefits, or you claim the keys to the car that you bought. It's no different. It's, it's claiming what is ours that universal mind wants to give us. If we just say we'd like this and work on my behalf and move the cooperative components in place and then begin to listen for what might come up for you, what inclinations, what inspirations. Sometimes it might be to act and to do something, to reach out to someone. And others, other times it might be just to kind of, you know, chill out and be in the receptive mode. Okay, there's a caller. I'm excited. Let's get the caller on. Welcome. Are you there? Let's see. 
Hello there. Lisa. Tahir. Yes. It's Is poor it smooth? No, it's oh my gosh, we are all happy you. Oh my gosh, I'm Bend, Oregon. Hey. Hey honey. Hi. How are you? How are you doing? I'm awesome. How are you? I am super well. Um, enjoying the fresh air, you know, city kid goes to the country. Yeah. It's a um, bit of a trip. Set up the new studio, yeah, all that kind West. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the complete, my, my, you know, the decompression. Phase. I'm, I'm going to introduce you to the Instagram live people. My friend calling in Laura Pocari is an amazing glass sculptor and artist doing major works and commissions in, in hospitals and temples and churches and businesses, all kinds of things. So what's on your mind, Laurel? What, what, what do you want to talk about? You know, you said consumption, and I was thinking a lot about that because um, the first time I came to Bend, Oregon was in 2005, after Hurricane Katrina swamped New Orleans. I went on um, an abridged kind of residency in Portland, Oregon at Bullseye Glass, and it was at that time that I got mm -hmm. to come out to Bend for the first time, um, and I fell in love with it. It had a certain, um, you know, it wasn't oh, it wasn't overblown yet. It had, uh, I don't know, maybe 60,000 people in it or something. Um, and now coming here, you know, okay. my love for this place has not diminished at all. But they have, in fact, a consumption of the earth happening where there are over 100,000 okay. people here now. And... You know, it's very interesting to see the ownership of something. Um, I find myself, you know, going, oh, go back to California, you people. <laughs> you know, and, like and that's there's what a... I want to say to them, like, don't make us like California. Yeah. 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 You know, and, it's, and of course, there's a lot of um, a lot of extra people here because of the pandemic, you know my move here with Joe and the dog it, it, and moving the studio that was planned well before the chaos of this. Um, so many of the new people that are here um, are here because they're, they've run from the Bay area, you know, and which is apparently a right. chaotic state, um, you know, but it's funny how um, the idea that one consumes the environment for oneself, you know, like I, I took it in and I made it my own. <laughs> Whereas the idea really is that all of this is free to everybody. You might own your little patch where your house right. is or a big patch, you know, but everything else, the oxygen we breathe, you know, and the water we drink is, is everybody's. Um, but I still feel really possessive if it's like, get off my river. <laughs> You know, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's natural that that you're living in a place with such natural beauty and the desire to have that preserved and not see it become a sprawling metropolitan 
concrete jungle and feeling that, you know, like feeling that potentially happening. Yeah. Yeah. I feel um, it's an odd that, that compression, um, you know, because like I said, I'm a New York city kid, you know, so I get that uh, there's a way things fill in, you know, and, and that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with the city. Cities are great, but I almost get this anxiety when I start to see how they filled in this kind of urban, uh, they have a growth boundary around Bend, Oregon. And Oregon does that in general with their cities to prevent people from building in the middle of national and state forests. Um, oh, thank goodness. But I get like, it's it's almost like an, a, an anxiety attack when I'm like, oh my, there's a four-story building going in. <laughs> Wow. You know, and I forget that you're from New York City. Yeah. No, go on, and then I'll say. Well, it's kind of a funny thing for, like, a New York City kid to get this anxiety over uh, urban density. It doesn't make sense. But I imagine that's part of why you left New York. I think think it makes sense. You know, to get out of that environment of, to me, it's just like the oppression, the and seeing a building go up, it's like, oh my gosh, a view is going to be blocked. There could be more of this. It's just a matter of time. I get it. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like a NIMBY, you know, like nobody, nobody wants a, a new person to come in and claim some kind of ownership over, over a place. But it just, I, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious and, and fascinated by my own weird way of processing what I'm seeing and applying kind of the old rules to the new place. Um, Having said that, you know, there's, for me, the psychic noise of uh, both New York and New Orleans, um, that that's quieted down quite a bit. And, you know, yesterday, notwithstanding, um, I'm able to do more work outside of those two environments. And maybe there are too many ghosts. I'm not sure, but I don't want to sound like a whack job, but I mean like more like psychological noise. Absolutely. I get that. So, and I think it's great that you're in a place where you feel connected. Yeah. And I hear that you feel connected to where you are the geography and I believe souls really resonate with certain geographies like geographic location and your soul is resonating with your specific location. I think so. I think so. I think I'm lucky to have kind of two heart homes, you know, of course, like new Orleans really, really got under my skin, you know, but this place definitely You know, not, not I, I'm. I feel really, really lucky to be able to say, like, yeah, I've had two heart homes in my life. You know, and I don't, I don't include New York in that because, largely because it was in such a state of flux while I was there, and you know, kind of coming up between 18 and 30 when I finally left, um, it changed yeah. dramatically. So it wasn't the place that it was when I was a kid. Um, and then, you know, lots of places mm-hmm. aren't, but yeah, I think that this place is, um, 
influencing my work already. You know, there are different colors and tones and and maybe it's just because I'm not um, distracted by the jewel-like qualities of New Orleans. <laughs> but, you know, right. I'm able to kind of focus right. outside of all that sensual um, stimulus, you know. Um, but, yeah. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. That was my thing about consuming. For me, it's always like consuming visual stuff and conflating that with other, you know, like emotional stuff. To me, that there's not a lot of different distance between those two areas. You know, I think your point, Laurel, is raising for me a comparison and thinking about consumption geographically and and when i i'm thoughtful i consume differently in new orleans than in los angeles because of the difference mm-hmm. in the energy and what i gravitate to and and what you're saying is bringing that to my awareness that in new orleans you consumed in a certain way and in oregon it's it you're noticing the shifts and differences yes do you find um uh, like what are what are the different sensitivities you have between? And I'm going to flip this on to you. Um, <laughs> for instance, yeah. give me a for yeah. instance between your New Orleans and Los Angeles. Oh man, okay. In Los Angeles, I really love how um, I was able to attend really cool metaphysical classes on crystal healing, on uh, authors that are speaking about. Uh, past life regressions and just totally like geeking out on all this metaphysical information that there is just almost around every corner. And it's just Mm -hmm. so plentiful there that I feel like I'm getting my fix of that kind of stuff along with the beach and meditating at Yogananda's Lake Shrine versus in New Orleans. I feel like I really love um, being more with high school friends and talking about family and going to Audubon Park and like talking to the oak trees. And I just feel like it's two different parts of myself I get to express in each city. And it's just interesting. And I hadn't quite thought of it till you're bringing up consumption and and where you move to and noticing the difference. That's interesting. Um, Also because of, I think the, you speaking of the, the cultures of each of the two places, you know, where, um, you know, LA being kind of the expanse of the mind, peace, love, you know, like I look yeah. at it as kind of like a, a place where your mind is, is treated with a physicality there. And it's not dismissed. Yes. People's imaginations and emotional states are not dismissed there or, um, treated as the eccentric auntie in, in the attic, you know, <laughs> whereas, Maybe in yeah. the world that is the way it is, you know. So the touchstones that are um, familial, you know, older relationships, and the 
you know, eccentric auntie in the attic. <laughs> you know, that we're the celebration yeah, of things that are um, sort of antiqued in a way. So one to me looks forward and the yeah. other one looks back. Or maybe it's laterally, like LA, like laterally looking laterally, yeah. through your brain. And then the other one is kind of like back through time and, and you know, just sort of digging, digging deep that way. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I find that when I'm here, one of the things that I want to do is hike. Like I've just become, well, you would laugh mm. because I'd look like I stepped into uh, like the Patagonia store and everything stuck to me, but it has enabled me to I love know, that. get outside. <laughs> I look, <laughs> it is, it's kind of funny that I've become I a kind of deer hound. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like me and my, my boots and hats and stuff and just hit the trails and it's, you know, 35 degrees and there's snow and not a lot of other people around. And it's um, spectacular in its solitude in a way. Mm. And maybe mm-hmm. I was hungry for that. Maybe that's what I, I actually so. needed to consume. I feel that as you're saying it. Like your need for that kind so, of connection. Yeah, I definitely, definitely did, and you know that non-specific kind of anxiety that I that I had <laughs> in New Orleans is alleviated when I'm out on a trail. So I find that interesting, fascinating, curious. You know, all of those things because I, you know, I'm not the most self-analytical person in the world. That all comes out in artwork. Um, right. It doesn't necessarily come out when I'm speaking or writing. Um, but it's thoughtful so yeah, and even your you. work. Yeah. There's like layers, you know, you're able to put the layers of yourself in your work and it sounds like your soul needed to kind of get back to herself in the bend organ move versus here when you were so involved with the glass community and, and just almost kind of outside of yourself a lot. And now you're able to really get more internal, I'm feeling. Is that true? I think so. I think you're right. I think there were moments um, there that I felt a little wrung out. Um, And not that I need people to, you know, appreciate me or whatever. All that stuff has to be driven from the inside. But there were times when I would just be exhausted just just by going, ugh. You know, (laughs) we need to do X, Y, and Z for this to maintain itself, for it to uh, just survive. And that, you know, it it was a difficult time. And this is also, you know, that post-Katrina kind of story. And it was easier to sustain um, kind of arts-related items in that immediate post-Katrina, everybody's working towards a mm-hmm. similar or the same goals, and they're working as a team, um, ultimately, yeah. you know, fracturing back out into their into their camps, which I found particularly difficult um, to watch, yeah. you know, because I'm an idealist and I want everybody to work together towards something. 
you know, so when everybody went back into their, you know, relative camps, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is disappointing. Yeah. But on the other hand, it could be really g- gorgeous, you know, like, um, you know, the glass studio is, is doing its thing. It's fine. It's got tons of kids in it. So, you know, it is doing it. It is sustaining itself, which is cool. Um it is cool. Having said that, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the moment when an arts community in a, in a new place can be part of my life. You know, right now everybody's kind of like in in their own little COVID bubble. <laughs> right, right. And that's you why know, I think you know having I mean? like, like the hiking you have, yeah, like finding what we can do to, like for me, it's been going to Audubon Park here in New Orleans almost every day, and just it's like I feel. I feel so good putting myself in that environment, finding places where we can put ourselves. That's cool. Are you climbing the trees? Yeah, I (laughs) No, I'm not climbing the trees, but I think about it. Some of them, the bark is so big, like you could absolutely climb, but I'm not going to climb trees without safety things. (laughs) But I think about it for sure. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I want to come visit you and I'm so glad you called oh you should you should um, yeah because especially when you're on the west coast it's not it's not that far away truly no it's not at all although right now it's like <laughs> you'd be you'd be stuck in in the little airstream for you know <laughs> 14 days if you came to visit right, right now right no <laughs> It'll happen at the right time. Definitely at the right time. Yeah. I I think I, I I choose to be optimistic and say that this time frame for us to get out of this is shorter rather than longer. Yeah. So but yeah, Lisa, we'll I'm so glad that we got it's to so talk. So good to talk. Me too. I'm gonna wrap up the show and I appreciate you calling. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you and, um, take it easy. Love you, honey. You too. Bye. Bye. So y'all in concluding our time together today, um, just to reinforce the importance of self-awareness and taking some time out each day to check in with yourself, check in with how you're feeling emotionally. Earlier, I was with a client on a virtual session and we started talking about boredom and when she feels bored. And I, I got, you know, what I offered to her is that boredom is an indicator that, oh my gosh, what did I say? I didn't write it down. What did I say? Boredom is an indicator that we need to. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Totally lost that thought about, it was like a download of reframing boredom. Boredom, got it. Boredom is happening to redirect us in a new direction. That if you start feeling bored, complacent, it's like a redirection needs to happen. You're doing something that's not meeting the deeper need that you have at that moment. And that was like a real light bulb for her. So maybe that's helpful for you too. I know that, you know, we really are having to self-direct 
during this time. And I think it's healthy. I think it's good. I think the changes that are coming into our lives can only make us, you know, more deeply satisfied and happier if we allow that to happen. So redirect yourself when you feel bored, tune in to your emotions, asking yourself, how am I? And uh, be sure to connect, stay in connection. I was a guest on a podcast yesterday and the host asked me about, you know, just one of the most helpful things I could think of to offer listeners. And it's to really reach out, you know, see people as you're able in a safe way and connect through Zoom and FaceTime and the phone and text. Like, don't let yourself isolate. Really push yourself to stay in connection with others because it's, you know, we're human beings. We need that to thrive. And so with that, I will direct you again to my website, nolatherapy.com or on Instagram in my bio. The link tree I have has been updated. I would love for you to buy my book, The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness, endorsed by His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama, as well as New York Times bestselling author and other teachers, a meditation teacher, Ben Decker, who was named by Forbes as one of the best meditation teachers in the world. So I really encourage you to check out my book. It will help you definitely love yourself more deeply, be more compassionate, and extend that to others more readily and easily. That's the journey I'm on, is really extending more compassion to others, more acceptance, and we're all works in progress. So stay on your path. Big love to you. And a last word to one of my sponsors, Brittany Watkins, is an amazing teacher and practitioner of EFT, the emotional freedom technique. And she's created a way to use tapping that is used in psychology, used in therapy. Her method is specific for food addiction and food cravings. And she's offering you 50% off her program as my listener to go to BrittanyWatkins.com. Use code therapy 50 t-h-e-r-a-p-y-5-0 and take advantage of her program i did a session with her that she gifted me and we got to the emotional root of a food addiction a craving that i would have at certain times and um she's a really powerful teacher she's helped helped over a hundred thousand people end their unhealthy attachment and relationship to food and that's important to me because fitness is an important component in my life. I believe it to be an important way that we can heal, we can transform anxiety, channel it into something physical. So check out brittanywatkins.com, code therapy50. All my love to you, and I'll be back with you next week. Bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only.